Hello, and welcome to this episode of Hospice News Elevate podcast, which is sponsored by Healthcare First. Today, we'll be discussing targeted probe and educate audits, or TPEs. These are done by Medicare contractors, and they've been on the rise in recent years as scrutiny intensifies in the hospice space. With me today are Nancy Carey, Manager of Billing Services Operations for Healthcare First, and Sue Weeks, Manager of Training and Development for Healthcare First. Sue and Nancy, thank you both so much for being here today. Thanks for having us. No, of course. Really uh, looking forward to hearing your insights on the TPE audits. I thought, um, start, it would make sense to just ask, what is a TPE audit and how do they work? So a TPE audit is, it stands for Targeted Probe and Educate. And most providers will never see a TPE, but the process is only used with those who have high denial rates or unusual billing practices. And when we say billing, it's because everything comes to the claim, but it really has to do with the clinical procedures. Um, so it's a basically a point that Medicare goes, okay, we can do some education here. And the goal of it is to identify those errors and correct the help the agency to correct them and to improve. If they are chosen, the agency is going to receive a, a formal letter. The MAC, your Medicare Administrative Contractor, they're going to review approximately 20 to 40 of their claims and look for that supporting medical records and the supporting documentation. If some claims are denied, the agency's going to get one-on-one education senate sessions, which could be very valuable, and they'll be given 45 days to make changes to improve. If they fail to improve after three rounds of these education sessions, they could go into 100% prepay review, or there could be other action taken, a recovery auditor, a RAC audit, a suspension of payments, exclusion from Medicare, or on occasion, criminal penalties. If they are compliant, the agency won't be reviewed for another year, unless, of course, there were significant changes in their billing practices. However, it's not common to pass that first round. They have to have a 0% error rate to pass that first round. Is it, is it difficult for a hospice to navigate these audits? What, what do the, how do the hospices respond uh, when they're notified of a TPE? So, no, as long as the agency completes each TPE audit required, they get a letter and it tells them exactly what they need to include. So as long as they're sending it in timely with supporting medical records for review, um, it's really not that difficult to navigate. They do need to know that if it's denied, they have an additional 45 days to send in an appeal for reconsideration for additional documentation. So if the agency is compliant with clinical documentation, face-to-face timing, certifications, and clinical notes, audit should go smoothly. There's a potential to be in multiple TPE audits based on each NPI. So if the agency has different types of services, home health, hospice, you know, things like that, then, or they have several locations, they can end up in a um, TPE overlapping each other. So um, for 
and it could be for multiple reasons. This may not even be the same as it is for the first MPI. I see. That's interesting. And um, what about in terms of like time, uh, labor costs? Is um, uh, how intensive are, are those kind of factors for a, a hospice and a TPE? Um. So the TPE letter will state what they need to have pulled together. And so the documentation should already be available and they just need to have somebody who's very careful and making sure that they give a complete documentation that is requested. If anything is missing, then it just extends the time of non-payment while you're going through this process. And they do try not to be overly burdensome with the audits. They're, they're pulling 20 to 40 claims in each round. I see. Thank you. And what are some of the reasons that, that uh, a hospice could experience an audit like this? What, what might prompt CMS to, uh, to get involved? So when it comes to hospice services, it is not treated any differently than the common claim errors. So issues with face-to-face -face requirement timing, including no signature by a certifying physician, that shows up on your claim. And so if it's missing, then Medicare audits that type of stuff. And if you have, you know, um, if they see a pattern of that, then they are going to give you a TPE for some training on, you know, timeliness of a face-to-face. Elements of eligibility and recertification with no estimate of continued need for service. So if these things are not super clear in the um, documentation that's provided, they are definitely going to want to look at more documents. So incomplete or initial certification. The signature of the certifying physician is probably one of the number one things that gets picked up. The next item is um, level of care stuff. So if they're looking for medical necessity and if they see a lot of high level of care for general inpatient stays in the hospital because you can bill the highest level, then um, they're going to ask questions and look at more documentation. I see. And uh, is there like a, a threshold for let's say use GIP as an example. Um, is there like a threshold that might trigger an audit like um, uh, a stay longer than five days in GIP, something like that? Mm, not that I'm aware of. Um, but So GIP is your highest level of care, and that is supposed to be used when the patient is in the most critical state where they need a lot of medication management and things like that. So if you think about the definition of that, you would realize that you know, a patient is not in that critical state for weeks and weeks. And so, you know, if they have a consistency of having GIP on a lot of patients all the time, then those records will be pulled to review to make sure that their GIP highest level of care is appropriate. And, and are there any best practices you can point to for an organization to respond to a TPE audit? First of all, they, everyone needs to be mindful of the deadlines and respond timely. That's one of the biggest things is they don't get the paperwork in on time. Uh, it's good to have an internal audit response team in place who's the main point of contact that gathers the information, ensures that it's reviewed, makes sure that it's submitted and received. 
verifying that the address and contact information is correct with Medicare, checking on the PECOS website to make sure you have all that information is right so that they do get that letter timely. Reviewing everything before sending it out, uh, make sure that we're not quickly gathering things and sending it in. Maybe we grabbed a plan of care, a copy of it that wasn't signed. We need to make sure that we're actually reviewing everything. And your timeliness of a TPE is 30 days, which is important because when we get to the ADR stuff, there's a longer time limit on that stuff. So you have 30 days with the TPE to get stuff in. And just being, you know, mindful, an agency needs to be really mindful of good, appropriate documentation. And if they do that, then usually they can come out of a TPE without too much of a problem. And um, who should be on that audit response team that you mentioned? What kind of skills or, or uh, uh, personnel should be involved? You could have um, somebody that is administrative in the office that is taking care of it. So there would almost be like a project management, making sure that it's getting to the clinical folks and things are getting reviewed appropriately, uploading it to wherever they need to, verifying that it was submitted. And uh, what can you tell us about the additional documentation request process? So there are two types of ADRs, additional documentation requests. The first one is a medical review type, and then the second one is a non-medical review type. So a medical review ADR, you have reason code. So we're talking about the billing side where we can see it in the Medicare system. So there's a reason code tied to the medical one that's 39700, which indicates that the claim has received a medical ADR and it will not be paid until the request of the documentation support the medical necessity of services reported on the claim to ensure compliance. So you're allowed up to 45 days for that initial request to be returned. And if it is one day late, even the whole claim will be denied. So the importance of this is that um, Medicare flags things and if there is any kind of patterns, then they're going to ask you for additional documentation to make sure that what you're doing for the patient and what you're billing is medical, medically necessity. The non-medical record ADR reason code is um, actually 39701. And this is a request for additional information necessary to adjudicate a claim that is unrelated to a medical review. So that's really important to know. So the types of situations that fall under a non-medical review is the uh, in a hospice exception request. So when a hospice claim includes a modifier KX and the remark fields come across as blank or insufficient, Medicare will generate an ADR request for more documentation to clearly indicate all the circumstances and timely frames to support the exception request for the untimely NOE. So um, that's normally what a non-medical record ADR type is, is that um, the agency is requesting through the claim an exception. However, they didn't complete all the components on the claim for that exception. And so it does get pulled for more information. 
for a non-medical record reason code, you have 30 days to make sure that your stuff is in. If it's a medical ADR, then you have 45 days to make sure your stuff is turned in. So you have to really watch those time frames and make sure your stuff is in. The sooner that you get your documentation in, the sooner that claim will keep on processing as long as everything is in place. So it's not a good idea to wait until the last minute to get your stuff together. What are um, some of the consequences that could result if a hospice does not meet those deadlines? They won't get paid. Medicare just won't ever pay the claim. It'll be denied. So you'll lose that money that you could have gotten if you would have uh, completed documentation request within the timely manner. And then it could trigger a TPE audit. Yep. Turning back to those additional documentation requests, how can a hospice prepare for an ADR? Is it a similar process to what you've described or uh, is, are there additional steps they should take? It is a similar process. So agencies should prepare for an audit by doing their own audits. Those routine internal audits can detect these issues before an ADR or a TPE audit. And it can they, they can update their processes and eliminate future issues, hopefully avoiding any larger audits. But they are looking for the same things. You're looking for documentation, supporting medical necessity, face-to-face, missing or incomplete certifications, recertification, signatures not included, those types of things. And what ultimately can be the outcome of a TPE audit? Is it as simple as getting paid or not getting paid, or are there other nuances involved? Well, it is that. So to understand, you know, there is a difference in a TPE and an ADR request. A TPE is intended to assist the agency to educate in areas that have been identified. An ADR purpose is to resolve. So they request medical records to review. And the main reason they do this is that they're looking for Medicare's coverage, coding, payment, and billing policies. And, you know, hospices tend to be at risk for ADRs when Medicare identifies a pattern with the level of care. So if they use that continuously, a high level of care for multiple days, those will fall into ADR repeatedly. I see. No, that makes sense. Thank you for clarifying that. In closing, I would just ask, you know, is there anything else that our, our listeners need to know about the TPE audits or the ADRs that we haven't yet discussed? Just follow clinical guidelines, coding, payment, coverage guidelines, uh, receive appropriate payment, prevent claim denials, uh, do internal audits, have a team specified that is going to be watching for these letters and getting documentation in and making sure that the clinical team is reviewing what they need to do. All of that will assist in avoiding any additional audits and hopefully keep your cash flow moving. Excellent. That sounds like uh, really sound and actionable advice. So thank you for that. Um, Well, Sue and Nancy, those were all of our questions today. Again, really appreciate your time and your sharing your expertise with us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And that's all for this episode of Elevate. I'd like to once again thank our speakers, Nancy and Sue, and of course, you, our audience, for tuning in. 
Until next time, take good care. <laughs>